Hi, welcome to This Property Life podcast. My name is Mark Winship. I'm a property investor, coach, and mentor. And each week, my friends and I talk to inspirational people about their adventures in property. This week, I'm talking to the property farmer, Scotty Hodson, who is quite literally on a mission to disrupt the short-stay rental industry with his eco-friendly service department model. Spiraling debt and ill health drove Scott to become involved in property, and he's now at the helm of a growing and innovative service accommodation business that has completely changed the life he's building with his young family. In this episode, we talk about building a value-driven business, the importance of getting educated in property, and how talking to people and building relationships can lead to exciting opportunities. I dare you not to be inspired by this episode. Let's hear now from Scotty Hodson. Hi, Scott. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I am living the dream, sir. Living the dream. <laughs> Great to see you. Thank you very much. Great to see your lovely smiley face. I'm actually yeah. sitting in one of uh, our Rent to SA properties right now. Actually. Oh, fantastic. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to getting to it because I know you're on a mission, aren't you? you, you you're Nobody's more on a mission than you are, I think, uh, and, and a mission to be the leading eco-friendly serviced accommodation provider, if you're not already in, in oh. the UK. Um, so I, I look forward to diving into all of that in a lot of detail um, and, and hearing where you're up to on that, on that stuff because it's really exciting. Yeah. Um, but I thought the best place to start is, um, is right at the beginning. Sure. Because um, it would be great to sort of take you back and um, find out how you found yourself in property, what your motivation was, maybe what life was like before you got started in property and how this all came about for you, really. So uh, if you're happy to take us right back to the beginning, it would be great to hear your story. <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> takes you back to the painful bits. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. You have to be in enough pain to change things, all right? Uh, yeah. That's it. And I suppose that was my start. Um, I never. Um, so my background is digital technology or digital transformations and, you know, global programs and developing your own digital products and stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, a, a few life events forced me to a direction where I was exchanging time for cash. Okay. And I needed that cash um, because of um, we were in a financial hole. Um, we um i lost my health um and the only way i could see a way out of it was to to go into the gig economy um yeah. be a contractor be a consultant and uh claw our way out of it um yeah. so life before was um tough yeah because uh, uh well you you've you've said that you know i'm on a bit of a mission um i'm a bit of a maverick and a little bit of a visionary i've got a vision of where i want to be going and when when you're in when you've got that vision and then you, you you're exchanging your time and going into a corporate environment and playing all of the corporate bullshit yeah and the politics that just wants to cut you down stop you flying um, stop your creativity, stop your ideas because of you're asking the right questions at the right time and people don't want to hear that. You know, yes. um, I, 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 but with a backdrop of that is that I really needed the cash. Yeah. So I was like battling my integrity really because of it was um, okay, I'll conform because I want the cash, 
so then I can get out of this yeah. um, this environment, you know. Um, so um, it was, what, was, what, was the, what was the tipping point then? What 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 made you sort of uh, take the plunge, as it were? As into property? Yeah. Yeah, well, it was always part of my vision. Um, so I, I suppose the start of the story was I met the woman in my dreams. Um, so then I sold out of London and we we bought a farm as the, our first property investment and made all of the mistakes that you can make. <laughs> um, and that's an ongoing saga. And, um, but it, it, it was part of the vision. So we, we were looking to get some planning gains on that um, and use the planning gains in that to then play the property ladder and yeah. property investment game. That didn't go to plan. We didn't get the cash. We was more stressed. We, we had less money. We were, you know, uh, and everything along those lines. So I was like, right, okay, we've got to stop with our plans. We, um, well, I didn't say that. My health said that. My health yeah. said, right, pop. Because um, you got you got quite seriously ill at one point, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it was dark times, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the culmination of, um, you know, growing a family, spiralling debt, credit card debt, overdrafts, business debt, it, it all just went to pot. The plan didn't yeah. uh, come around. Um, I also um, lost a relationship with uh, one of my family members, uh, which was really hard to go through. Yeah. And um, ultimately, through that stress, um, I had uh, a severe flare-up of ulcerated colitis. So okay. I found myself um, on the 27th of December... Well, I, I, no, sorry. I went to bed on the 20th of December um, and I was like, right, I'm going to have a few days rest and get up for Christmas. I couldn't get up even for Christmas. Um, I had yeah. half a sausage cocktail thing and I went, yeah. I've got to go to bed. Um, so I went back to bed and then I didn't get up for four months. Um, yeah. Rushed to hospital on the 2nd of January, emergency surgery. Um, yeah. And it was really, really tough. I had a three-month-old baby by then. Yeah. And um, so now I couldn't work um, for for four months whilst I was in my first stint in the hospital. I lost 30 kgs within uh, two weeks. Yeah. And uh, I didn't even recognize myself when I finally woke up because um, I just lost all of the weight, you know? Yeah. Um, so then during that period, I can remember lying in the hospital bed in February and the sun was coming up. And I was like, I had this place is not where I want to be. You know, yeah. something's got to change, you know, there's got to be things I've got to do. And, you know, I've got to change my brain. I've got to change the way that I think, I've got to change the way that I act because yeah. everything I've done to this point, has got me to this point. Yeah. I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, just one bit after one bit after one bit. Um, I got that contracting gig when when I got out of hospital. It's about ten months. Um, I was well enough to uh, um, go back into the uh, market. Um, I started getting paid well, so then I could start paying off some of the debt. And I always knew that I wanted to take some of that cash, get educated in property because I made all the mistakes already, yeah. um, and and replace my income. Yeah. So then you know we'd be uh, I would never be back in that hospital bed. Yeah with declining amount of cash. Yeah. Um, so that, that was the starting point, really. That, that, that whole backdrop of, of pain and dark times and, uh, yeah. and everything. Um, and I'm sure everybody's got their, um, their dark times and their struggles as well. Um, 
but I, I promised when I was in the hospital bed that I'd just turn up. I'd just turn up every single day and I, I would do something, do yeah. something to get us out of that hole. Yeah. It was, it was really, really tough. Really, really yeah. tough. Yeah. Um, luckily, I've got a strong woman as well um, and a strong mother-in-law that helped me help put us up and get us out of that black hole. Yeah. Um, and bit by bit, we paid off some of the debt and then I was in a position to to get educated in property. And yeah. away we went from there, really. Um, and your focus has been largely serviced accommodation. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So what attracted you to serviced accommodation as a strategy? So we went on one of the discovery days and it was just that perfect blend for me in the fact that uh, I could see, I could use my background in digital transformations because of the service accommodation industry is yeah. ripe for transformation. Yeah. Uh, there's just so many improvements that you can do with digital technology. Um, so there was that one thing I, I I could see that I've got transferable skills that I could add value yeah. to the business. Um, that then it was also the case of, Oh, I could just get, you know, seven to 10 properties. And then that would replace my monthly income from my gig in, and we can grow from there and, and go from there. So it was, a, uh, I could see that I could add value. It was a high cash flow strategy, um, but it's, it was a lot of moving parts. And I thought, yeah. I can coordinate that. I can yeah. get other people to do that for me. Yeah. And um, and it, it just went from there, really, one bit after one. So how did you source your first unit? Do you, do you remember which one was your first? I'm sure you must do. Yeah, yeah. Loved it. Um, quite fortuitously, really. Um, so um, the guy who used to come and help me on the farm, yeah, because uh, he had all of the gear, he had a little compact tractor, he had the, the Arger, he had the, the post whacker and everything along those lines. I told him I was getting educated in property investment. And he was like, oh, what's <laughs> out there, you know, watch yourself. Oh, yeah, dodgy, you know what's this service accommodation thing? And I was like, Oh, you know, and, um, but hold and behold, he was actually a director of an estate agent in Bedford. Right. <laughs> but he was so bored of that game. He wanted to, to do some, you know, uh, garden maintenance and some farm maintenance. So yeah. With the gear. So, um, I said to him, well, this is what I'm doing. And he goes, all right, okay, I might have a property for you. So it was quite fortuitous that I, you know, just started telling everybody what I was doing. Yeah. And uh, the guy who was uh, who was um, helping me with the animals and with the farm is a director of an estate agent, and that's Brilliant. where we went from there. Yeah, so I sort of like leveraged that relationship to gain enough trust to yeah. sign that first uh, company let. So that was a that's a rent to SA, isn't it? So so renting off a private landlord and then operating serviced accommodation from from that property. And you you've gone on to sort of build that portfolio, haven't you? Is it is it is that your your main focus, rent to SA, or are you looking to to, to move into? Um, well, I know you're looking to move into developments and stuff now, aren't you? So I, I don't know why I'm I'm asking that question, but it's uh, ties in ties into your mission doesn't it um that you've it sort does. of evolved as you've been through yeah but i was i was that naive and uh, look I, I had i was high energy i was ambitious so i was like right get that first seven to ten 
and that'll get me out of my job so then we yeah. can concentrate on it you know yeah. and i thought right i'm going to get that seven to ten in the six months no one is more dedicated than me no one's <laughs> going to put more effort go outside yeah. their comfort zone solve all of the challenge no one can do that more than me and it didn't go to plan <laughs> <laughs> didn't go to plan at all you know um so after the first 12 months i only had three okay um and then after the subsequent year i only had like five yeah. um so i made some key mistakes um yeah. you know I, I relied on that relationship with that one estate agent i didn't yeah. get multiple estate agents yeah you know um i only had an hour and a half a day because uh, i was still gigging at the time so yeah. i was um standing up this business whilst on the train into london doing the the corporate um bs yeah and um yeah it, it was interesting it was the the, the fact that because i weren't in the business doing it i i just missed that piece that i'd have to pay a lot more for other people to do it for me yeah, yeah. and take a lot longer time to get them to do it the way that i wanted to do it as well yeah yeah um and then i only had the one relationship with the estate agent rather than getting that relationship and then getting on to the next agent, getting on to the next agent, yeah. getting on to the next agent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now we've got a good relationship with four agents and, yeah. and they phone me when stuff's ready now, you know, um, two and a half years down the line. So you've got um, that. So, you've got that pipeline that's uh, feeding right. your properties in into because that's the thing with service accommodation, isn't it? What once you've got a couple up and running, you've built your systems around that, your systems and your processes. You've used them to test the model and to test the concept, and then really it's a it's a, a bit of a plug and play, isn't it? Really, you can just uh, you can just pop more properties into that into that system. So um, once you've it's the the a lot of the workload is front loaded, isn't it? You know, once you've got to that point, you can start to scale from there. Yeah, I, I agree with that to a point. Yeah. Because of, uh, again, you know, like having free properties, you didn't really have a system or a process in place yeah, for yeah. um, multiple booking, uh, multiple yeah. check-ins on a day, let's yeah. just say, as a cl classic yeah. example. You know, then you go up to seven properties and all, everybody yeah. wants to check in at the same time on a, on a Friday evening. So, yeah. you know, what do you do? Who do you have? You know, and, and everything along those lines. And that goes through to everything, you know, and that goes down to refuge collection. It goes down yeah. to, you know, how you do your property maintenance, how you yeah. do your checks. Um, so it just sort of like you do, your, your, uh, as you say, you, you have your, your startup bit and yeah. you, you, you get, you know, most of the stuff, yeah. yeah, you're ready. And then you take yeah. on more and then you take on more and then you go through a little bit of a growth phase and yeah. new problems hit you from left yeah. and from right that you was blindsided to before, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so I would challenge that little concept of cookie cutter. It's cookie cutter as in a property at a time. Yeah. But, um, you know, the business has to, to grow with that as well because we had different growing pains. Again, so I, I wasn't in the business. I wasn't yeah. in the business challenging it every single day doing new things i was pretty much reactionary yeah to when something's gone wrong yeah fix it with a new process yeah um yeah. so i think that that's the key key thing to of like not my journey's my journey you know so i've yeah. got to that you know that seven to ten um stage um yeah. and some people have done that really really quickly um and i'm like fair play to them but you know i did it on my own i did it for an hour and a half a day on my smartphone yeah. in the circumstance that I was at with not wanting to take too much risk 
because yeah. of the you know a few years before I was in in a little bit of doo doo. So yeah. I was trying to balance up all of that. I was working on the brain and how I reacted to things and, you know, my perception around risk and perception around value. I had to work through all of that before, you know, you started changing it into a profitable business. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So you're full time within the business now? Well, kind of. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. But that's the, the added benefit because I've developed the business without me being in it. Um, you can I'm choose how you spend it. your time now, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not in it. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I love the business. I love growing the business. Uh, as you say, I'm in a bit of a, on a bit of a mission. So I'm not necessarily in the rent to SA business. Yeah. Uh, I'm working on the business with the business development side of things. So as you said, you know, I'm look, now looking, you know, at scaling up at new locations, developments, um, putting planning in for um, uh, a new business model and stuff like that. Yeah. So tell us a bit about that then. So service accommodation for you is, is, is more than just running a profitable business. Obviously, it needs to be a profitable business to sustain itself. But um, you've got quite a strong driver to um, kind of push the kind of eco-friendly side of things and really innovate, I guess, in that and disrupt, I guess, in that area. So tell us a bit about um, what you're up to in that space. Yeah, cool. Thanks for that. Um, so, you know, as we was growing our, um, let's say, town-based or city-based serviced accommodation, where we're getting, um, you know, workers and leisure stays within, you know, a populace that makes sense because it's got commerce, it's got hospitals, it's got trains, yeah. you know, and everything along those lines. We wanted to extend our business model. We wanted to concentrate on the lifetime value of our guests rather than just always concentrate on getting new um, heads on beds. Uh, we wanted to be able to, you know, um, develop our product ladder and essentially sell them onto something. Um, so out of, you know, the two and a half years that we've been doing our service, our town-based service accommodation, because we're in Bedford and Milton Keynes now. So, you know, one's a town and one's a city. Um we, we thought, let's extend that by yeah. um, selling an experience to come to our farm and have an off-grid eco experience. Yeah. Um, so we would do. Uh, we've got a relationship with a great company called Z Pods, which is uh, zero emission development and pods. Yeah. Um, and most people's perception when they hear about that, they think you know it's a box. Yeah. Um, that's got a solar panel on it or something along those lines. Um, whereas these are design-led, high-quality um, architectural uh, bits of genius, essentially. Yeah. Um, they're, uh, the way that I explain it is actually component-based modules. So you can actually change the, the, the face of them, the shape of them. They're all different, um, essentially, Lego blocks. So if yeah. you just think about the concept of Lego, there's so many different components. You can put them together in different um, um, sequences and have a different um, output. Yeah. So we're actually using that technology to have an eco-modular um, uh, buildings on our paddock on our farm yeah. and it's a, a holiday let so it's a, an eco lodge yeah. that we'll be selling people so we've got um essentially white collar or blue collar workers staying in our city and town based accommodation and then we upsell them to an off grid eco lodge 
yeah. holiday retreat. Um, yeah. And that's where we, we're trying to look at the lifetime value of our guests and, you know, have them have them coming through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that's really quite exciting. And then we yeah. use the same technology to go to the cities. Um, and as I say, it's component based. So we're in the process at the moment in um, purchasing the piece of land and we can actually put 30 modules um stacked racked and packed and they're 30 service departments for city stays as well fantastic uh, yeah so that, and that's that's, that's really... uh what are, what are the advantages to the developer there to you i mean it's from what i understand it it's a pretty remarkable turnaround isn't it in how quickly you can put these things up and get them operational yeah it's ridiculous uh quite frankly the value proposition of those so 90 percent of them built in a factory essentially yeah. you can build an apartment within a week um, and that can come onto um, a truck. So let's just say 30 apartments. So let's just say that that is, it's not going to work out at 30 weeks because of you'd be doing chunks at a time, but let's just yeah. say within 30 weeks, so yeah. six months, you'd yeah. be able to just build service apartments and they literally yeah. arrive on the Friday with a crane. And by the Monday you'd be moving in and monetizing them. Yeah, because the first fix is done, the second fix is done, the kitchens, the bathrooms, all done. Yeah, move the furniture in, and start doing your service accommodation. And hook them up to the utilities, presumably, yeah. and then good to go. Yeah, good to go. It's all on screw pile foundations as well, so yeah. um, there's really minimum scarring to the land. Um, and as you say, plug them into the the existing water and electricity, or you go off grid like we're doing with the farm stuff, and away we go. Yeah. And they are they essentially zero emission. Yeah. Yeah. They're just beautiful buildings to be in, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so not just from the build. Um, so everything is offset on the carbon for the build, yeah. um, but also ongoing as well. Um, yeah. the, the It's thermo efficient. Um, it's, there's no drafts. They're beautifully lit. The acoustics is wonderful. Um Typically, with it, if you're in a in a city and you've got a module like this, it'll cost about a pound a week to power, right? And, and it'll be a constant wow. temperature throughout the year. You know, no, yeah. no spiking and everything along those lines. So it's just, no drafts, no damp. Yeah, it's just a quality way of living. You know, so when people um, first hear the word, you know, words of modular buildings, they're thinking yeah. of like tin cans stacked, racked, and packed. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, they're ugly and you know they're not very nice to live in. Yeah. Um, this is this is playing on the other side. They're very much design led. Everything's uh, considered uh, down to the vibrations and the the noise that you hear and everything along those lines. Uh, so yeah, we're trying to improve the way uh, people are living. Sounds like the future. Here and now. <laughs> well, if I can get this, if I can get this bloody planning through, it'll be here. Yeah. What about? <laughs> So that so the eco friendly concept though is it's it's become quite quite literally part of your mission statement, hasn't it? And and I know it affects a lot of it. You know, it impacts on your processes, the decisions you make about the guest experience. I know you're um, you're, you're you're looking into various uses for smart technology, for example, for how you regulate heating. That's that side of things. And I think you've even found a a crossover with your with your wife's business as well, haven't you, to sort of link in with all of that. So I think what's really fascinating is because you've got such a strong value-driven proposition, 
the, the other pieces of the puzzle, the decision-making sort of falls in line with that. Would Is that a good way to describe it? Yeah, thanks for that. Because uh, it sort of like proves that I'm not nuts, you know, <laughs> time being this crazy little visionary um, and trying to, you know, uh, piece it all together and, um, you know, have the right values. And uh, you know, and that's what I said right at the beginning of the show. I had to, to reevaluate actually who I stood for and what, what I am because yeah. of, you know, I had to have a real hard look at myself because I was in a painful position. Yeah. Um, and actually reading um, Rob Moore's books on uh, money and yeah. of life leverage, yeah. I was actually for the first time as a 38-year-old be able to articulate my values and my principles. Yeah. And that was the starting point for me. That was literally the starting point where I could actually start piecing together my value proposition. Whereas yeah. before I was an entrepreneur and a maverick and I could see value and I would exchange, you know, value for whatever it was yeah. and however it was. And, and, and yeah. not essentially from me, though. Um, and But I feel that this business is from me and from yeah. the people that we that are in our business as well. We've all got the same values. We yeah. all want to make a difference. Yeah. Uh, we all want to help people up, you know. Um, so the eco side is just one part of it. Um, I, I internally I call us more of a green company um, okay. because of we're more holistic than that. So the eco bit is is one part. You know we we recycle a lot. We upcycle furniture. We don't use any chemicals, uh, cleaning chemicals within the within the properties and everything along those lines. So that's the eco credentials, as you say about the heat heat regulations and everything along those lines. But then we also um, do work within our community. Um, we promote local businesses, uh, local experiences. Um, we provide pathways for education and employment um, to the less fortunate or the displaced um, and the homeless as well, that we, we, we provide a framework where they can um, essentially just become part of a community and okay. um, add value and so forth like that. Yeah. And then, then lastly, we've got uh, implementable green plans. We showcase what you can do as an individual to, to have impact on people and the planet. Um, yeah. And they're really simple things and they make a big imp impact. And um, it's something that we, we really stand for as a business. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we took the conscious decision to probably have less profit margin. I, I hear of other uh, operators have a higher profit margin than us. And I'm okay with that yeah. because of my lower profit margin is actually, as I keep on saying, it's like from me. You know, it's, yeah. it, you know, we have those principles and we uh, values and that's what we stand for. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty cool to be to be on that that side of things. And, uh, you know, it all started with it uh, to be able to articulate my values. Then it was the education. Then it yeah. was the action. Then yeah. everything formed from there. You know, I yeah, could yeah, start yeah. start um, getting the, the visionary brain going on, on again. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. We're making our way. We're making our, our little impacts now, which is brilliant to have. Yeah, absolutely. It is fun. I, it's, I, and I think that's a really good lesson for anybody listening is, you know, we need to do things in the right order, I guess. You know, understand your purpose, understand your vision. And then the other piece, so your strategy, um, where you're going to implement that strategy and the type of property you're going, how you're going to develop it out, that all sort of falls into place when you've got a really clear kind of vision and purpose behind what you're doing. And, and and I think that that extends beyond service accommodation. You could apply that to any, well, any walk of life, but certainly any area of property. Yeah, certainly for me. Certainly for me. Yeah. That's what I would advocate. Um, it made a big difference for me.
Yeah, absolutely. So what would be, so anyone who's, as there will be loads of people listening to this who, who will be very excited and inspired and um, interested to find out more about serviced accommodation initially as a model, as a concept. There's lots about serviced accommodation that sounds attractive, but you and I both know it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's not without its challenges. It's certainly not, um, if, there's, if there's such a thing as passive income, serviced accommodation is quite a long way along the other, to the other end of that spectrum. Um, but you know it can be systemized and, it, and 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 we can sort of leverage aspects of the business but what advice would you give to anybody looking to get started in service accommodation uh, that's a good, good question there mark because I, I suppose it's a really shit answer I suppose because it all depends yeah it, it really actually depends on you as the person what do you need out of it I needed to replace my income yeah so, uh, my my high value gig side of things some yeah. people might not need need that um some people might want that passive side of things and they can invest in a, a, a rent to sa opportunity but have someone else do the management side yeah. of things um so if you haven't got the skills or you know um, yeah. or transferable skills but you'd still like the opportunity to go into serviced accommodation then yeah. connect with people that balance things out you know so yeah. I, I suppose going back to that 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 thing it all depends it all depends yeah. on you as the person yeah you know what time do you want to put into it what skills have you got what money yeah. do you want back out of it what lifestyle do you want and yeah. i think all of that can be achieved with serviced accommodation but just don't be naive to it like i was at the beginning i was like no one was questioning me i was going to take over the world within a couple of months you yeah. know I, I didn't have the money i didn't have the time but i had a whole shitload of energy and a, a big cause for it and that's how yeah. i forced through you know if that doesn't sound like you then you probably need an, a, another strategy if yeah. you don't want to give in the time but you have got the cash and you have got the network yeah. and you have got people that are running uh, serviced accommodation you can invest in in opportunities like that so i yeah. think i think you need to center your your strategy uh, strategy about yeah who you are and what you want to be doing yeah um, uh, i think that's what I, essentially what i did because i just saw the the replacement of the cash flow yeah and and knew that i would get that get to there because of yeah. it was my cause you know it was my my calling i, I needed to do something about it but it'll be dif different for different people i think i think it's actually a great answer because i think the thing about service accommodation is it almost sits separate to it's almost not a property investment strategy it, it, it can be it can dovetail in with property investment but it's a it's a property business yeah. and it's an understanding that you are starting a business and therefore you need to think about the kind of business that you want to be running and how do you see yourself what areas of that business are you passionate about what do you see yourself spending time on in two years time three years time because that will affect the decisions you make right from the word go you know, it, it, you and I may may sort of get our kicks out of different aspects of the business. And that, like you said, will impact upon who we partner with, you know, who else we bring on board to do the bits where we're maybe weaker or it's just it's just not our bag kind of thing. So I think that's really good advice. Just think about what do you want to be? None of us got into this, right, to replace our previous stressful jobs and, and everything else with, with exactly the same thing. So... I think that's really yeah. good advice. What about what about yourself? So if you could rewind the clock, you've talked about the learnings, the fact that first couple of years, you know, 
you got that foundation, but it didn't quite accelerate and scale the way you would have liked. If you could rewind the clock, what would you do differently, do you think? Oh, good question. Uh, good question. Because I think that's in two, two, I can answer it in two, two sides, I think. Yeah. Um, one, I needed that journey because of okay. it actually took me to places yeah. that challenged that's my yeah. outlook, my my decision making, yeah. um, and my critical thinking, my logical thinking. It actually forced me to create the business that we now have. Yeah. Um, so probably I needed slower scale, but I didn't yeah. need, I didn't know that I needed it. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the amount of time that I wanted to put in. Um, but then on the other side, I would have loved to have met a partner to give us extra bandwidth, extra time, extra expertise on the other side of things. So I'm the visionary, I'm a disruptor, you know, I'll, I'll force things, you know, I'll turn up every single day. I'll change things. Yeah. I'll get 1% better every single day. I'm a yeah. risk taker. I'm everything along those lines. Yeah. I wish I just had that business partner that probably was the other side yeah. uh, that was more calculated or, yeah. uh, um more analytical more analytical because that's my background of being analytical but um maybe just more bandwidth uh, yeah. shared ideas you know um could have been the other side of the business where it would have been more organizational or more um um, um number driven probably yeah 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 it makes sense so what's next for you then big things on the horizon <laughs> world domination by Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so you know i've been on this journey now and and you know i've been able to articulate different things at different times and uh, and now we're in a really good space we've got yeah. a um, predictable product with good people um who are going around things in the right way as well which is really important to me um, i come from yeah. a sporting background hence the smashed up face <laughs> um, i played rugby for 20 odd years and um you know the way that you went around things as a team is very important to me you know i don't want just you know individual people in in the business i want a, a yeah. team of people doing things in the right way uh, and you know um it becomes a whole different energy um yeah. that you get and you're all working towards uh, that one goal so we've got good people good processes uh, we've got good cause going on um so we're looking to take on more locations within the UK. We're in Bedford, we're in Milton Keynes. We're now traveling um, up to other cities in the pipeline. We're going to be um, doing the holiday let framework yeah. um, where um, for that and wrapping that up all into an e-commerce module as well, where we'll be retailing um, uh, products to our guests as well. Yeah. So there's a few disruptive business models that we're, we're, we're going in with there. And um, essentially, we're scaling our SA management company into new locations yeah. with disruptive uh, business models. Fantastic. Uh, where we'll give better returns to, to some investors that want to do it a little bit yeah. different. Brilliant. A little bit differently. Sounds, um, sounds, no, sounds really exciting. Yeah, no, it sounds really exciting. Lots, lots. I, I mean, there's just so many directions you could take that model, isn't there? So um, it must be a really exciting time for you and, and, and looking at the business moving forwards. Yeah, um, it is very exciting. I, I'm, you know, especially coming from the position of, you know, growing a business, which is tough. Yeah. To then 
or, or starting a business, which is tough. Yeah. Growing the business, which is a different proposition. And now yeah. we're ready to scale. We'll yeah. have new challenges. You know, we'll yeah. have those things that will blindside yeah. us and, you know, we'll have to deal with. But as yeah. I say, we've got a good product and good people in. And, yeah. uh, you know, if you're all having a smile about it and delivering a good product, then you're bound to win, surely. Yeah, you, absolutely. You keep one hood button the wall. Yeah. <laughs> So if if people wanted to follow your progress on that journey or even reach out to you to see how they can get involved, and so what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, cool. Um, or probably just Googleize Property Farmer. Um, I'll appear somewhere on social. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not that great at logging things at the moment. I, I, I must uh, stick my hands up, up at that. Um, I will get better. I'm sorry. Um yeah, and the business is going through a bit of a rebranding as well. So um, yeah. I think we'll just stick at the property farm a bit because I'll yeah. always be around. Um, but our branding is updating, so I don't want to give okay. a brand out now and it becomes uh, defunct in a couple of weeks. Perfect. So watch this space. Excellent. Scott, thanks so much for that. It's been an absolute pleasure. I know that um, our listeners will have found that very uh, inspiring and, and it's great to, to hear from somebody who has – you know, such a strong value set coming into property. Um, and, I, you know, I think a lot of people will find that really kind of uh, empowering. So that was absolutely brilliant. Great to hear. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. And, and hopefully it does, um, you know, entertain some people and get the old brain going. Um, but, you know, if someone is in a dark space and, you know, they, they want to reach out and, you know, just have a little bit of a one-to-one -one in the fact of you know how did you get out of that dark place back yeah. on back into the game i think that's uh um something that i can help people with yeah um, uh, that that's the difficult bit you know you yeah. only need one person to help you help you out of that spot yeah um, so if you are in that dark spot give us a buzz and um we can go from there brilliant thanks so much scott thank you for that take care cheers dude well, what a powerful message to end on. There's no getting away from the fact that building a property portfolio is not easy. But Scott's story is testament to the fact that with a clear vision and by starting with the end in mind in terms of building a business that suits the way you want to live, you can pull yourself out of even the deepest hole. Thank you so much for listening. To connect with Scott, myself and all the other podcast hosts, podcast hosts, as well as a whole host of other active property investors and mentors, why not head over to the Property Wealth System community page on Facebook? We'd love to see you over there. And please don't forget to like and follow this podcast wherever you get your podcast fix. Thanks again for listening, and I will catch you on the next episode.